is Bloomberg Surveillance. I would expect the interest rate in the Eurozone and its peripheral will be zero or lower for the rest of this decade. Sector selection does matter a whole lot. If you avoided energy last year, you probably did relatively well. It's half the global economy and it's all slowing. My sense is though this year things will start to turn around and I think that turnaround will be led by China. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning everyone. Uh, Barry Redholz and Tom Keen, Bloomberg Surveillance. Right now though, breaking economic data, which means we must, we must go to Vinnie Del Judice. Vinnie, what do you see with Case Schiller? Well, it's up, Tom. Year over year, the S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index tracking 20 cities January 5.7%. That's comparing to 5.6% revised in December. Month over month, up 0.8% in January. Revision uh, the prior month, up 0.78%. So that's really little changed. Year over year, though, we see the trend continuing up 5.75% January home prices, major 20 cities. At the Bloomberg First Word Desk, I'm Vinny Dale Judas. Let's go back to New York, Tom and Barry. Now, Vinny, uh, very good. And, of course, we break that down, and we'll go through that through the hour, looking at some negative statistics out there on the monthly basis, negative for Boston, Charlotte, Chicago, Minneapolis, New York, slightly negative, Phoenix, uh, about like New York's performance, Washington D.C. negative. That that is a bit surprising, but many other positives as well. Los Angeles with a big positive uh, gain, among others. We'll dive into those uh, data points uh, through uh, the hour, as we are wont to do. The forex brief this morning, brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award. For the best in retail Forex trading platforms, visit IB at IBKR.com slash Forex. I'm going to call it a churn to the market. Dollar weaker, not demonstrable, but nevertheless within the range. Dollar a little bit weaker. Sterling on 143.01, so a couple days in a row of sterling um, strength. And uh, all of it, the backdrop is uh, a quieter yield market, U.S., Full faith and credit, 10-year, 1.85% in a good four basis points. And I've been following quietly the German two-year, sort of as a Draghi proxy, that's a mouthful, negative 0.49 is a lower yield over the last four, five, six days. That's some of the macro research that Ray Oy does it in Vesco where he covers the fixed income market. Ray, wonderful to have you on, and and, and thank you to all of you at Invesco who support the show. Um, Ray, I, I look at fixed income, and I think the general question is, is it a time to manage for coupon, or is there even a hint of total return? Hey, Tom, thanks for uh, having me uh, on the show. Um, yeah, I think the as it relates to fixed income, certainly, um, you know, given the income needs that, um, you know, most of the market uh, has um, a desire for, certainly, um Coupon shouldn't be the primary um, focus. Uh, I think, given where yields are, the you know total return prospects are somewhat uh, more challenging in, in this type of environment. I like how they do that, Barry. It's sort of graceful. More challenging. More challenging. How do you manage for that? How do you manage for that, Ray? Well, I think the, the way we've uh, you know uh, assessed opportunities is really to look across uh, the sectors uh, within fixed income and. I think uh, this is where active management uh, really um, can help uh, navigate um, 
and help uh, inve- you know uh, investors uh, reach their objectives. It's, it's through you know sector rotation, given the volatility that we've seen uh, you know across markets this year. Obviously, um, you know volatility is a two-sided coin. There's there's obviously pain, but also opportunity associated with uh, some of the large shifts that we've uh, witnessed uh, thus far this year. So everybody is so hyper-focused on, on the Fed and the dot plot and will they or won't they. We have, we have Chair Yellen's speech to the Economic Club of New York today. But even if they do, we're still so far under 1% for rates. My question for you is how much does the Fed really matter for the rest of this year? Are we at risk of just over obsessing about the difference between 25 basis points and 50 basis points, or, or should we be focusing our attention elsewhere? I think you bring up a, a really good point, Barry. I think one of the, the reasons why the, the Fed could be um, meaningful, even though the you know, the, on an absolute basis, the policy actions are relatively small that the market is obsessing about. It's specifically for that reason that the market is obsessed with, um, you know, the, uh, you know, minutia of, of, of the Fed dynamic that, um, you know, the, these moves could uh, be more in, impactful than um, the, you know, uh, nominal amount would imply. Um, and I think additionally, um, you're right. I think there are – we're still focused on some of the other um, – risks globally that uh, are still prevalent, um, you know, within the, the global financial system and, and namely sort of this deleveraging that's occurring, um, you know, that's still in EM and uh, in China. So so where should we be focusing our, our attention and our investment dollars? Uh, I think we, you know, we should be focused on um, high quality um, fixed income assets. And as it relates to uh, FX, we're focused on, um, you know, continued uh, dollar strength against uh, the Asian ex-Japan um, currency region. Ray, thanks so much. Greatly appreciate it. Ray Oyes with Invesco, head of macro research, Invesco fixed income. Barry, that really shows this whole idea, and I, you know, I think of Bill Gross uh, when he made the headlines on this show with a financial repression out 10 years. And it really goes back to what do you do if you, you know, I just really don't want, I, I just really don't want to do stocks. Mm-hmm. It's a major, major issue. You, you, you run into this all the time, much more than I do, of people who say, I just really don't want to own stocks. Then what? And, you know, it, the institutions have learned we really don't want to do alternative investments because there's a ton of fees that have gotten us nowhere. You go back to bonds and there's a real mystery there as we so, heard with Mr. Roy. So here's the jujitsu. Whenever you hear a, a lot of uh, clients or a lot of investors saying they don't want to do stocks, your, your mouth should start to water in a Pavlovian response because that means stocks are about to begin their next major leg up. When the crowd is skittish and risk-averse and afraid of equities because, let's be blunt, they've suffered so many crashes. We just had yeah. both the 2000 crash, the 0809 crash <clears> – <throat> They're obsessing about the possibility of another crash. Yeah. That should tell you that there's n- uh, enough underinvestment and enough fear out there that it could drive a substantial cycle hey, in equities. Hey, I, I, I don't do, I don't want to give my opinion, but I certainly don't disagree with your double negative. I don't disagree with your logic. I like what I hear. I go back to Apple bonds and paper as sort of a 
of the moment bellwether, the Apple 10 year piece, three and a quarter percent coupon, you're enjoying, uh, with a yield of 1.63 percent. Uh, that, that's telling 1. you. 1.63 percent. Wait, I have to lock up my money for 10 years. I'm guaranteed to. Not make money. Not make money. And possibly if inflation ticks up in the outer half of that decade. Negative real yield. Yeah. So, so that's telling me that risk aversion has reared its head that people, you know, we call it the recency effect. Yeah. People are impacted by whatever was the biggest emotional event in recent memory. They've ignored the stock market tripling from the March 09 lows. Instead, they've focused on the collapse that they experienced and, and how negative that was. And that leaves psychic scars that take right. a long time to heal. S&P 500, 12-month trailing, negative 1.7%. When does a guy like you get bold enough to buy? We're always invested. You know, we continue to have exposure to U.S. Now, our our bias, our inherent tilts, we like quality, we like value, uh, and we like a smaller cap. And as we've seen, and in my conversation with Tom Dorsey, he talks about how the big caps lead for a long time and then suddenly it shifts and it moves to uh, mid and small. And that and just started. Sh- but then it shifts back. Eventually. But you yeah. could go five, seven, nine years of the smaller cap. Look, over long times, there's a sm- longer periods of time, there's a small cap premium. Mm-hmm. It, there are inefficiencies. What's the inefficiency with General Electric or Apple? Everybody knows everything there is to know about that. But there are hundreds and hundreds of smaller companies, thousands around the world, that right. there is an analyst coverage. People don't know what their potential upside is. That's why sectors like biotech sometimes explode when – you're getting billion-dollar drugs from these small, unheard-of yeah, entities. Much more than biotech. We've, we've got to run here and come back. But much more than biotech are the smaller, less visible, boring stocks that aren't the romance of a discovery. That's right. Level one product discovery. Look, good investing should be boring. You shouldn't have a lot to discuss. Yeah. Hey, go own a global asset allocation of low-cost indexes, <clears throat> rebalance once a year, see you next 4th of July. What, there's not a lot to chat about with that. You know, Barry Ritholtz with us. I uh, really can't say enough about uh, masters in business. And I, I, I want to rave about Mr. Dorsey. Who When's that on this weekend? That right? is on this weekend. And we spoke <clears throat> for about two hours. It was yeah. fabulous. Okay. Tom Dorsey and Barry Ritholtz. Look for that this weekend. Futures negative five. And now to news in New York, here's Michael Barr. Tom Barry, thank you very much. The hijacking of an Egypt airplane is over, and an official in Cyprus says the suspected hijacker is under arrest. The plane was on its way to Cairo from Alexandria, Egypt today, when the hijacker forced the plane to land in Cyprus. Egypt Air Flight 181 had about 55 passengers on board. The CEO of Brussels Airport says the facility won't be back to normal for months. Brussels Airport is set to reopen tomorrow, but it can only accommodate about 20% of the usual traffic. The check-in area is completely out of service. Last week, a bombing attack at the Brussels Airport and the city's subway system killed dozens. Arctic sea ice is at its lowest level ever. According to the National Snow and Ice Data Center at the University of Colorado, it's because of crazy warm temperatures. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Tom Barry. And Michael, thanks so much. Futures negative five down, futures at negative 59. 
A 10-year-old, 1.85%. Barry Riddles and Tom Keene. Coast-to-coast, Bloomberg Surveillance. Counting down to the opening bell brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior, legendary 4x4 capability. Try one at your local Jeep dealer today.